What's going on, everyone? This is Andrew Wright from Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host. And over in his bedroom is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody? Hey, everybody. What is going on? Hopefully, you guys are enjoying your evening. Hopefully, you guys saw something good on television other than what Drew and I watched. So with that being said, we hope you enjoy this episode. And here we go. All right, what is going on, everyone? Um, I am your host, Andrew Wright, of course, as I said. Uh, we just got done watching the uh, presidential debate, so what better way to uh, kick it off by uh, talking about sports? So, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, how you doing, man? I'm doing better now that we're getting to talk about something else other than what we just watched. <laughs> let's, I'm, yeah. let's talk about I'm sports now. <laughs> probably going to have a long conversation with my wife about what we white train wreck we just watched um anyway we're not gonna go there um which by the way everybody go over to twitter and just start reading the threads and they are to die for so yeah. so and yeah, please usually enjoy twitter, usually twitter is pretty good about being funny on on stuff like that anyway uh let's get into sports uh cody it has been a depressing couple of weeks for me uh fantasy wise uh major league baseball wise specifically obviously the giants uh it's been good for the lakers and it actually has been pretty decent for the raiders uh so you know and we'll we'll obviously talk a little bit about that but before we get into everything um you know let's talk about go follow us on uh facebook twitter and instagram uh we are on all the major go follow us retweet all of our stuff like our stuff Anything and everything does help on that situation. If you have any questions, feel free to direct message us and or just, you know, tweet at us, whatever, or Instagram, whatever it may be, uh, whatever you kids are calling it these days. Anyway, um, but uh, go check us out on there. Also, YouTube, go subscribe. And speaking of subscribe, please subscribe and uh, rate and review on our podcast. Uh, we are on the major podcast, that being iHeart, Spotify, Apple and Google podcast. So go check us out. Please leave, excuse me, I'm tripping over my words. Please leave a, uh, a nice review. If you don't have a nice review, well, leave it anyway, and then we'll address it later. <laughs> so, uh, also go check out fnxfitness.com. Uh, great workout gears and workout supplements. Go check them out. They got great stuff. They sell out quick. So if you are interested, go get it quick. I know here uh, where we are in Fresno, uh, I just got word that gyms are going to open up and I'm so excited right now. I have been dying. I've been waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning to ride my bike and that's all I have other than like push-ups and whatnot. So uh, it's really nice to have that extra, well, hey, I can start lifting weights again. So because uh, my arms are flabby. Anyway, they're not <laughs> go flabby. Check. They're nice. <laughs> they're nice. <laughs> oh man, that was a good reference. Uh, anyway, um, go um, go check out FNX Fitness, and we can actually get you fifteen percent off your whole purchase. And Cody will actually explain to you how to get that fifteen percent off. That's right, guys. Go to DrewCodeSportsLock.com on our website. We actually have a link for our partner section, so you can click on that and then head over to FNX Fit. By clicking on the link to that, and you can use the promo code DrewCode15 to get 15% off your total purchase. I just actually saw an email a couple of days ago that they're doing free shipping, and then they're also going to have a, a you know, end-of-season sale, I think up to like 40% off of 
basically the um, the season, the summer season ending. So definitely get on those savings and add the additional 15% off by using Drew code 15 on our, uh, that you can get from our website when you guys are making your purchase. Also, while you guys are on our website, feel free to listen to full episodes on there as well. You guys can leave us a question or a topic that you guys want us to cover on our website. Um, you guys can also review or see any of our social media platforms and also um, subscribe to any of our podcast sites that we are a part of that Drew had mentioned earlier. Um, and also too, a little new thing that Drew's been doing lately is he's been uh, doing a Giants blog, which is also on the website. And I'll let him explain that. But again, you can find all this information at DrewCodeSportsTalk.com. So Drew, take it away. Yeah, it's a, a San Francisco Giants uh, blog that I've been writing. Obviously, with them not being in the postseason, uh, I wrote my last piece. Uh, I'm probably not going to write until February unless something else kind of, you know, not necessarily drastic, but, you know, if uh, some news falls in for the Giants, I'll probably write something about it. That, something of significance. I don't want to be writing about, you know, uh, they signed – well, I might write if they sign someone, but if they let go of someone of non-significance, I'm not really going to write about that. So probably won't be uh, redoing that until February because it is a baseball podcast and pretty much nothing really picks up until like December when they have the winter meeting. So just a heads up for everyone, but it usually is once a week during baseball, uh, I guess the baseball year. Um, and it's just all writing about uh, San Francisco Giants, my thoughts, opinions, facts, stats, whatever it may be. So, uh, you know, I, I write about all that. It's a real easy read. It's three paragraphs. I try and keep it at. So uh, go check it out. It will not take uh, – it, w- it won't take you long at all to read it, to be perfectly honest. It probably would take you like a couple of minutes to read through it, and you're done. So go check it out. And uh, if you hate it, let me know. If you love it, let me know. I want to know. So thanks. All right. Well, um, we have got a lot to cover. Um, first and foremost, as I'm kind of already talking about uh, the San Francisco Giants, they got eliminated. And I, I want to start off by saying this. I am a true fan, a true, <laughs> a true fan. And, um, you know, I've been a Giants fan my whole life. Uh, the first Giants game I went to was at Candlestick Park. So that's how long, you know, it's been since I've been a Giants fan, okay? I was five years old out in, back in 1995. So uh, we went with a bunch of my uh, parents' church friends, and we went and saw a game, and I basically was bundled up in a blanket. So, yes, I do remember Candlestick Park, yeah. So, um I've always been a Giants fan, but I'm also a realist. And I, and I, you know, Cody, I think you would agree. I think you understand that even though I'm a fan, I'm still going to say, hey, we suck if we suck. And I'm going to say, we're great if we're great, you know. And, um, you know, I think, I think being like that, uh, some people get rubbed the wrong way, especially if I meet other Giants fans. I'm like, yeah, we suck. And they're like, dude, what are you talking? I thought you were a fan. I'm like, I am a fan and I know we <laughs> suck. You know? Right. So um, looking at the roster this year, it didn't look good. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I did my 30 for 30. I pretty much said I would be surprised, you know, if they did much of anything. Um, and um, something I, I think we maybe Cody, we should revisit maybe on YouTube or something. Um, when I did my 30 for 30, I kind of want to go back and, 
and reread all the all the people that I pick because I know I picked Mike Yastrzemski as being the best player on the Giants, and mm-hmm. it was it was pretty evident that he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the spark for the San Francisco Giants. We could argue Wilmer Flores. We could argue. Um, you know, maybe Austin Slater when he was in the lineup, you know, Brandon Belt got hot. We we can have this debate, but in all honesty, the most consistent player throughout the whole year and the one who started every game except for when he got injured was Mike Yastrzemski. So, um, you know, I like to think that I was right on Yastrzemski. I, I don't want to say I went out on a limb and picked Yastrzemski. I mean, he was obviously the best one last year mm-hmm. and this year. So, um, you know, just watching all that, I going into this year, like I said, though, I, I wasn't looking that we were going to be something. I mean, I told, I said it on here. I would be surprised they won 20 games. It would be, it would be a tough road ahead of them. And what did they do? They ended up winning, what, 29 games. Mm-hmm. So kudos to them for proving me wrong. I mean, after the first series of the Dodgers, I said I would be surprised if they could win 15 with how bad our bullpen is. And our bullpen, credit to them, they, they got it together. They they uh, fixed whatever was wrong with that bullpen and um, got into some games that uh, maybe they shouldn't, they didn't have any business winning and, and won them. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of this team for basically all the hate that they got, including from me. I'm, I'm not going to argue that. Um, and they, they proved a, probably, I would argue, everyone wrong. I don't think anyone thought that this team could get to the eighth spot. Um, and they almost did. So kudos to them. Um, but it's not the fact that this is what my issue was, is I went into this year knowing that, hey, the, the Giants, they're not good. You know, this roster is not meant to win, okay? This roster is to build on the young players and try and get them to get better so by the time next year rolls around they have those young guys with experience and then they go into the year so that's what I was thinking and they they then started kind of winning a lot of games it was kind of weird they lost a few games and then all of a sudden they got you know Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria back which wasn't that big of a deal but then Belt kind of caught fire Longoria started hitting a little bit better uh, Flores was killing it for us this year. Brandon Crawford got on a hot streak. Um, Joey Bart, when he was called up, he actually was hitting really well. I know his batting average doesn't say it. He didn't hit a home run, unfortunately, so he's still uh, without his uh, first home run in his career. But, I mean, if you watch Joey Bart's at-bats, I mean, it's a laser coming off of his at-bat. So uh, it, it'll get out of the park soon enough. Um, but Yastrzemski, as I talked about, Slater, I was really impressed with. Uh, Alex Dickerson, um, you know, as much as I wasn't a big fan of him, he ended up being uh, a pretty good asset for us. So we had a lot of positives, but I think our starting pitching uh, lacked a lot. I mean, Johnny Cueto was, uh, he was not very good. I think he's got one of the highest uh, earned runs allowed all year long. I think he's in the top five in the National League. Um you know, there's um, Tyler Anderson was kind of a nice surprise. I figured he would do better because he came from Coors uh, from Colorado, which is a, the best hitter ballpark. So when you go from the best hitting ballpark to the uh, worst hitter ballpark in Oracle Park, 
uh, you figure those numbers are kind of are going to come down, and and they did. So good, uh, kudos to him, Kevin Gosman. He had a few flashes. Uh, you know, Cahill was okay. Logan Webb had had a really good start, and he tailed off at the end pretty badly. So I mean, there there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, the bullpen definitely needs help. Uh, I'm not going to go into that because I've said it all year. Um. So, like I said, I was I was expecting this year to be bad. They kept hanging into games, and then all of a sudden, towards the end of this year, they had a chance to get in the playoffs. And I think it wasn't the fact that, you know, a lot of people have said, well, I thought you figured they weren't going to make it to the playoffs anyway. Well, yeah, but now that they have a chance to get in the playoffs, I'm a fan. I want them to go in. You know, it's, it's silly to, for, for people to think that because – I said something that I want that to happen. No, I, I want my team to go in. You know, I don't even care if they got swept in the postseason. I want them to be in. And so I was rooting for them hard, and I think the way that they lost on the last game, Austin Slater had a 2-2 pitch. Uh, Rosenthal, the closer for the Padres, throws this pitch, and it's below the knees. And they show it on uh, MLB at bat, uh, the app if you have it, or MLB.com, whatever. It shows it where it was just below the strike zone. It was worse than that. They didn't even accurately put it. It was the catcher had to go down. His glove almost hits the dirt. He grabs it and then brings it back up real quick, and the umpire calls strike three. It was, it was just the worst way as a Giants fan to see your team be eliminated. Like, they had all this momentum going in. Of All they had to do was win because the Brewers lost. So if they win that game, it's over. And they were still down. There was two outs, of course. Obviously, that's why it ended the season. Um, and there was nobody on. So I'm not saying that Slater was going to hit a home run. I'm not saying Slater was going to get on base. But the way that it ended, the way it ended in a strikeout, that the pitch wasn't even close to the strike zone is what was so frustrating. And I was looking on Giants Twitter, and it was <laughs> – they were not happy, let's be honest. And I wasn't either. Uh, I said a few choice words that probably shouldn't have said in front of my kids. So, um, you know, it, it, it sucks, but I'm going to end it with this. I am so, so – so proud of the Giants. I I didn't believe in them. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they were, and they were in it towards the end, and that's all I can ask for in the end, like them making a push. Didn't think it was going to happen, and it did. So kudos to you. I was wrong. I don't have a problem saying that I was wrong. Uh, I'm glad I was wrong because it made it for a much interest, more interesting baseball season uh, for me. So... Sorry, Cody, I took over that whole thing, but, uh, you know, I needed to get that off my chest. I'm actually very glad you did that. So I don't have really anything to add other than I, I feel your pain when I was reading all these scores that were well going final on Saturday and Sunday. My heart broke for you because I knew what that meant. So I don't have anything to add. Man, you, you added it just fine. So if you don't mind, I'll transition us over to the Raiders now. And unfortunately, I was correct on my prediction with the Raiders in week three against the Patriots where – Patriots basically took us to the woodshed, man. It, uh, we, it looked promising in the first half. Um, we showed some flashes, and then second half started. Belichick got a chance to adjust to our offense, and our defense couldn't adjust to 
the running game or Rex Burkhead. And uh, unfortunately, the Raiders suffered their first loss of the season, um, you know, against a, a really, really, really good AFC team. Um, I think yeah. that they are probably sneaky, sneaky better than what people are expecting. I don't think that they are better than obviously the Ravens or the Chiefs, but I think an argument can be made that they're probably the third best AFC team right now just because of their coach and Cam Newton. And um, I don't know, man, offensively, they just beat us every which way. So, I mean, Cam Newton didn't throw for a lot of yards, but they had the run game. Their screen game was working fantastic. Their defense shut us down. So it was a tough loss on Sunday, man. I was, I was, had a glimmer of hope. Our defense did pretty well. And then uh, second half started. So, yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Cause I was, I was kind of right too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was right on the fact that I figured that the DTs, specifically Malik Collins, was going to have to be the X factor. And in the first half, they were. Not just Collins. I'm not just saying, oh, it was Collins. Right. It was really the DNs were coming and they were containing Newton. So they were going around, but they weren't breaking. Like, okay, I'm going to dart in real quick. They were staying in their lanes, so Newton had to step up, and every time he stepped up, it seemed like he was not comfortable. So it was perfect. It was great. Um, Our blitzes really didn't work, even in the first half, uh, especially the second half. The second half, every time we blitzed, it looked like we didn't know what we were doing, so that was just difficult. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and let's be honest, Cam Newton the whole game wasn't great. It really was his running backs. His running backs were were on fire. I mean, Rex Burkhead was a man possessed. Mm-hmm. And as you tweeted, or not tweeted, you texted me uh, during that game. You said, I have, I have 100% confidence that Rex Burkhead will be the number one pickup in fantasy uh, <laughs> next week. And I think you're absolutely right. And I think he's probably going to get like three or four points in fantasy football. If probably. you're going to be part lead. <laughs> so it's just going to be funny. Because I think the Patriots, um, shoot, who are they playing? I don't think they're playing someone uh, very talented. Um, I'll get that up in a second. But, you know, uh, you know Rex Burkhead and then Sony Michelle in the second half really kind of got going. So, um, so that talent, that untalented team that you said that they're going against is the Chiefs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Burkhead is not going to go off. And uh, you know what? I will, I will also apologize to you on here because you had a game where you had the Chiefs defense, and I was like, good luck with that, man, because you got the Ravens <laughs> offense. Yeah, and they, they were. If it wasn't for, uh, I think a, a punt return touchdown yeah from the ravens uh the the ravens would have been held to 13 points i mean that's ridiculous on offense so uh you know again fantasy has not been my thing this year i i'm just not having it this year anyway we're not going to get into that um (laughs) because it's only going to make me mad um but you know cody what were some takeaways that you thought maybe maybe some building blocks that the Raiders can take away going into the Buffalo game and, or what do you think just basically they need to get better at? Well, I think what we need to do is I know in the second half after the Patriots had basically scored on us, we were really apprehensive about running the ball with Jacobs. And I think maybe it was because once the, once the Patriots neutralized him, we didn't have a second option. Like I know that in the, uh, 
in the game that we had with the Saints, we went heavy with Jacobs, and then when Jacobs would, uh, would get uh, stopped, he would then we would then go to Waller. So I know that that um, was the combination we do with the Saints, but for some reason. Patriots were all over the all, all over Waller. So when they stopped Jacobs, Waller was nowhere to be found. Uh, Hunter Winfro was uh, a good surprise. I you know I imagine if we would have gone to him, but you know that Patriots secondary, they are just really creative with their um, with their coverage scheme to where it was really confusing. Carr he wasn't comfortable throwing the ball into traffic. I mean he had a really good throw that he did to Winfro at the end of the first half that was really beautiful. But that was really the only spectacular throw he had the rest of the game. Um, and then other than that, I mean, we didn't really have any kind of a passing attack to really, you know, make the uh, Patriots defense honest. So that was my main concern. I know that there'll be a lot of people, and I know that there were a lot of people that were basically saying it's time to move on from Carr, which I know that you'll talk about in a second. So I'm not saying it's time to move on from Carr, but I, I think that, uh, you know, I would have loved to have seen Carr find a way to – to how, how would I explain this to for his talent to elevate everybody else around him? Because, you know, in my opinion, franchise quarterbacks, they would find a way to still get the ball to their players and all that stuff. And I feel like Carr plays it so safe to where we cannot progressively move the ball or keep, you know, other defenses on the toes. And I think that's what Bill Belichick was playing on is that Carr plays everything so safe that he's not going to challenge going down the field. He's not going to try to you know, take it, take the top off the defense. And he's got to rely on the same things. And when Bill Belichick knew to take those things away, Carr was essentially just neutralized. And when you neutralize the Raiders offense or you can't get Carr comfortable or in, or in rhythm, you know, he's no more than an average quarterback that just, you know, throws it to whoever's open on a short pass. But I mean, Bill Belichick's going to take those short passes every day, as long as, you know, it doesn't go past the defense. So that's what my biggest takeaway was. I mean, it's a good lesson to see where we're at in terms of the AFC. I mean, I liked how competitive we were in the first half. I felt like our defense really stood strong, except for our secondary. I really, I really feel like that they kind of blew it for us in the second half when it was, you know, coverage schemes for the running backs. But for the most part, I mean, I'm encouraged with the defense. It's just our offense. Once you neutralize Jacobs or you take away Waller, we really didn't have any other threats to worry about, and the Patriots kind of exploited us for that. You know what you said. I mean, it's you're not wrong. I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot to uncover there. Um, you know, Jonathan Abram. I wanted to start with him. He he wasn't good. He he was bad. He missed a lot of tackles. I mean, there's there's a couple that were just so blatantly. I mean, he was it was one on one, and he just whiffed on both of them, and it was. It was disheartening because he's supposed to be the best tackler. And he I I mean, I know before the game there was a there was mention that, you know, he had some internal bleeding from the hit that he had on Monday night, uh, where he ran into the uh T V uh Zamboni type thing. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean, I guess you can make that excuse, but he just he didn't look good. I mean, yes, he had the interception. And everyone wants to bring that up, but really, it was just a bad read by Cam Newton. It wasn't like an a, a incredible play. Yes, it was a good play because he's because he was there at the right time. Yes, of course. I'm not saying that John, I'm take away the interception. No, I'm glad he got the interception. But 
Um, you know, I think it was more of a, just a bad read by Newton than a great play by Ambrum. And then after that, he just, he wasn't anything. Uh, he was talking a lot of trash to Cam Newton and there was actually a play like the first drive that the Patriots had where Cam Newton ran this quarterback power to the left. Abram meets him at the line of scrimmage and Newton goes, I'm just going to use my whole body on you, dude. And he ran him over and Abram took him down, but it was, it was because of Newton's body forcing him back and Abram just held on and, and took him down. And I think he got like three or four yards on it after that. So um, I just felt like Abram wasn't himself. Um, you know, like we've talked about this before, he's kind of a spark that the Raiders need. And so when he was off, it, it just kind of rubbed off on everyone. You were talking about Josh Jacobs kind of being bottled up. In a sense, he was, but he was 16 carries, 71 yards, an average of 4.4 yards per carry. That's good. And we shouldn't have ran away from that. And to your credit, like you were saying, it's it's a lot harder to keep going with him um, when, you know, you're down by, you know, however many points. But, um, you know, you do have to stick to the run game because that is what you do best. I mean, the Ravens, they were down uh, to the Chiefs and they were still trying to run their football. So you want to see them continue to run the football. I think they just completely went away with away from it trying to get something from the passing game and this is what i wanted to talk about and i'm sorry cody i'm going to go on another rant (laughs) is everyone first of all you're insane if you're the person who is saying let's go uh when marcus Mariota is healthy let's put him in first of all you're you're insane because it's only week three (laughs) first we won the first two games because of Carr. Mm-hmm. Not just because, but in a large part because of Carr. And then we lose. Did he have a great game? No. I'm not going to say he had a great game. I know he didn't. He didn't look great. But you know what's so great? His receivers couldn't get open. They they just could not get open. I mean, I never saw Renfro open at all until the end. Um, even on the, on the one throw that you were talking about towards the end of the half where he throws Carr put it on a dime for him and he had to, because Renfro was not wide open. He mm-hmm. barely had his man beat and Carr put it in a position just like the throw that we saw, uh, with Mahomes yesterday, throwing it to Tariq Hill, mm-hmm. um, against the Ravens. It was a, pu- it was a beautiful pass. It had to be exactly there. And he threw it there. Mm-hmm. Carr did the same exact thing. It was like, oh, it was pretty close to that same throw. Okay, so let's not get crazy. Um, second of all, the fumble, the the fumble, I'm going to put in air quotes, from Josh Jacobs uh, was not a fumble. We should have got that recovered, but that's not why we lost. Yes, you could argue, well, that's how we got the momentum taken away. And, you know, we were driving. We probably would have scored a touchdown on that. You don't know that. Yes, of course, we want to think we, they would because they were moving the ball well, but that's not ultimately why we lost. And then let's talk about the fumble in the end zone by Carr. I see everyone yelling, oh, he should have got rid of the football. Oh, he should have got rid of the football. In a perfect world, if he knew that, that, that it was going to be an all-out blitz and everyone was in the backfield right away, yes, he would have gotten rid of it. But here's the thing. He gets rid of it to 
any place, he could get intentional grounding, which is an automatic safety. The other issue was he tries to step up because there's three freaking Patriots in the backfield by the time the ball is snapped. The offensive line did not block them. They got around them quick, and Carr had to step up. He steps up, and he tries to tuck the ball so he can get out of the end zone. And it just so happens they got the football, and he fumbled it, and they recovered it in the end zone. What do you want Carr to do? What can he do? Anything, if he throws that ball and just to any receiver, that ball is intercepted and it's a pick six. So you already get a touchdown there. If he tries to throw it out of bounds, it's intentional grounding, as I just said. And so the only option he had was to try and step up into the pocket, and I give him credit. He's still trying to look downfield to see if someone gets open. But again, no one was going open. And that's my other issue is now everyone wants to be like, well, he should have just got rid of it. There, he, there's no receivers open. Well, he should have thrown it to he should have thrown it to Waller. Waller was double teamed most of the game. It was out of 20 pass attempts, he was double teamed out of the 32 pass attempts that they had 20 times. So let's be real. If you're out on if you're just playing randomly. And you get this one guy who's killing everyone. And so you go, hey, we're going to double team that guy. So let's double team him. And you're the quarterback. You're not going to keep throwing it to him. Even if it's a friendly game, you're not going to keep throwing it to him because you realize he's keep, he keeps getting double teamed. So you're going to use him as a distraction. And I think that's what the Raiders game plan was. Everyone wants to talk about Carr. Oh, you shouldn't get the ball to Waller. I bet you 100% that Gruden and Olsen both told him, hey, let's use him as a decoy because they think we're going to go to him every single time. Now, was that every play? No, of course not. Should he have tried to get to the ball? There was a couple of open uh, plays that Waller was open, wide open on. I don't. That one, you can argue. You can say he should have got that ball out there. Yes. But when the ball is snapped and he's looking at Waller and he's looking at the defense – He's seeing they're trying to show that he, they're double-teaming him. And by the time he looks away, then you realize he's not being double-teamed. So let's, let's cut the crap. Derek Carr didn't have a great game, but it also wasn't his fault we lost the game. That Patriots defense is really good. Even without their top players, they're really good. And they have one of the best cornerbacks in the game. I think his name is Stephon Gilmore. He's getting paid a lot of money, and the Patriots don't pay anyone. They wouldn't even pay. They would not even pay Tom Brady. They wouldn't even pay Rob Gronkowski. So you're you're kidding me with all this. I'm sorry. I know I went on a rant, Cody, and you're not happy about it, but I... I'm so tired of trying give I, I don't care. I'm a homer for uh Derek Carr because he is from Fresno. All right? I've watched him my whole uh, his whole career, his whole college career. I've even watched his senior year in high school. I watched him his college year and I watched him in the NFL. And 
I'm not saying Derek Carr is great, but Derek Carr does remind me of Tony Romo. He's got a good arm. He can be he's he's actually really accurate and I'm not going to debate this right now, but he's very accurate. He is smart. He knows what to do and he's more comfortable in this offense now than he ever has been in his whole career. And he's coming up big. We ran into a buzzsaw. We ran into a hot Cam Newton. And he didn't even have to do anything. The defense was on fire for them. What can we do on that? And everyone who is saying the defense, you know, um, the defense really gave up that game. The defense wasn't great. I, I'm giving you that. But the our defense got tired because we were out on the field the whole time. Because when we ran, we get in four yards. Then the next run that we had, they would stop it. So we had to pass on third down. And every time, there's no receiver open. So tell me, how is this car's fault? Yes, we need to take a few more risks. That would be great. There was a couple of throws. There was one throw that Stefan Gilmore almost picked off. And everyone was like, oh, I can't believe Carr threw that. But it was on Brian Edwards. It's a comeback route. He's not going towards the sideline, which is part of the comeback route. He's going, he's, he stops, and he tries to plant like it's a curl, not a comeback. And Carr throws it like a comeback, but Edwards ran it like a curl. So you see where there was an issue, and Gilmore had to dive for it. Luckily, he didn't pick it off. But let me tell you, if he did, it's still not all Carr's fault. Yes, it's his fault because he threw it. I get that. But the receiver has to run the route that he was supposed to run. And he didn't. So that's my thing. I, I, I'm again. I'm sorry. I went on another rant, Cody, and you're probably PPs. So <laughs> I will. I will yield the rest of my time. To you. Well, I appreciate it. Honestly, there's there's a lot to unpack there, and and I understand. Uh, I'm not disputing anything about you know it. You know, certain plays it being Carr's fault or not his fault. I I completely submit to the fact that the Patriots are just an elite team with an elite coach that just knows how to coach up his guys, knows how to game plan, knows how to shut down your team, no matter how high poweredly built you are, you know, at, at one point, um, you know, Bill Belichick still shut down the chiefs before they won the super bowl. So and not saying shut him down defensively, but offensively and, you know, schematically they did beat the chiefs, um, you know, to meet uh, the Rams in the super bowl, which that was the, that was like the biggest stunk, Super Bowl like ever but anyways regardless of the fact you know Bill Belichick is one of the is probably arguably the all-time greatest coach for just the fact of how smart he is how strategic he is and the Raiders are just still an up-and-coming team and I think the thing with Carr is it's not that this particular game you know he he did a lot of things right he still had a pass rating of over 100 he only had two sacks on the day which was a lot better than last week I think the argument is is like when you're you know, you need to play above the competition. And so when you, I'm not saying that Derek Carr does this, but I would say this was probably an argument people would make is Derek Carr doesn't flourish when the competition is higher than what he's probably used to. So like, for example, if we're in the AFC West and we're playing, you know, the Broncos or the Chargers, um, and we'll just say like, you know, in this also scenario in the AFC, we'll say like the Steelers, none of those teams are the number one, uh, seeds in the AFC or the number two they are a very good AFC team 
and we play well with them. But when we get into like the elite level, like the Chiefs, um, you know, we'll use the Patriots in this example or the Ravens. We just cannot seem to elevate our game to that level to where we are competing with them. And yet our aspirations are playoffs, you know, hopefully Super Bowl in the next year or so. Um, you know, granted, we do have a young team. I just think the point is, is here we are in year six of Derek Carr's career, and we're still waiting for him to excel above, um, you know, his own expectations when it comes to elite competition, I think would be the argument. Not saying that, again, this game doesn't just show that it's a young team still working out the kinks. It's week three, didn't have a training camp, no preseason, working everything out. I think the point being is here we are year six, and we're still waiting for Carr to take over like a franchise quarterback. and you know, he's got a, we can, we can easily say he's got an upgraded head coach that he now finally has a pretty decent uh, relationship with an offensive coordinator that understands him, you know, a, a defense that was better this year than it was last year. It's just now we're waiting for the Raiders to play up to that elite competition and not keep bowing down to them and not still be in the middle of the pack, kind of an AFC team, I think is what some, some people would say is the problem right now with the Raiders and where they're wanting to go. I'll agree with you on I don't think Derek Carr is 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 an elite quarterback. Um I mean again, I, I like Derek. I think he he can get us to where we need to go. I, I I believe that. But yes, there are there's there's evidence of like I said, he kinda reminds me of Tony Roma, and Tony Roma was notorious for folding in the big games. I wouldn't say that Derek Carr folds in the big games. I would say he folds when there's chaos mm-hmm. in the games. Um, because it's kind of hard for me to say Derek Carr folds in big games because he has like 19 comeback wins. So it's kind of hard. And there were some, some wins that he got that they came back from when the Raiders were really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Now he's got a he's got a good team. So... Um, I th- I also do think a lot of the issue was the receivers not getting open. I think a lot of it had to do with Henry Ruggs being injured. Um, he can take the top off of the defense. Um, now that you don't have to really worry about that deep threat, you know you can you know you've seen Aguilar enough to know how to stop him. You've seen Waller uh, tear up the Saints, so you're going to be like, well, obviously we want to take him away. Hunter Renfro is not going to kill you with speed. He's going to run these short little routes, so you don't really have to worry about him going super deep. And that's why you saw a couple of passes to Henry Ren- uh, Henry Hunter Renfro, um, you know, kind of deep passes uh, because you didn't really have to worry about it. So why you as as uh, John Gruden knows, you know that's what they're thinking. Let's try it. So uh, Brian Edwards was, I thought, had some big catches. It's unfortunate the way he uh, got injured and it doesn't look like he's going to be back at least this week. Uh, we don't know the full intent of his injury yet. Um, I guess we'll f- probably find that out later. But, um, you know, it, it was it was a rough day, I think, for everyone. Like I said, I thought Josh Jacobs ran really well, but... Uh, there were a couple of times where, you know, the Patriots got a stop on him. And, uh, you know, after that, you can't really do anything. You know, it's it was it was tough. You know, it was very unfortunate, um, you know. But here's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize, too, was the Raiders are on a short week. They They had this big 
game against New Orleans um, in their new um, in their new stadium. So they got a lot of hype. Uh, and then you know you got to go to practice on Tuesday. You know practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think traveled Friday. I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then um, you know Saturday they're doing their little walkthrough. Um, but so it's a short week. Uh, there's a lot of injuries, and you had to travel basically across country uh, to New England. So it was it was it should have been expected. And we're facing a lot of good quarterbacks. We just faced Drew Brees. We then have to face Cam Newton, and then this week we're facing Josh Allen, who right now could be the front runner for uh, MVP. Mm-hmm. So. It doesn't get any easier. And let's talk about this too, Raider Nation. We need to be wor- we need to be weary of this. Could be another tough uh, team that we're going to be playing because not only do they have a pretty good offense, they have a really really good defense, and specifically, they know how to stop the run. And so we have to be very careful with getting too comfortable throwing the ball all the time. As much as I like Carr, I understand if Carr has to throw over 35 times, it's not good. So let's keep it low. Let's still, let's trust in Josh Jacobs. Trust in your running backs. Booker actually was running really well against the Patriots. He went three attempts, 31 yards. That's 10 yards on average. So keep doing, going with the run and trusting your guys. So, um, you know, it's going to be a tough week for sure with the Bills. But, again, I feel like the the Raiders do have a chance, a potential to win. Agree. All right. Um, Cody, the Lakers are in the NBA Finals. We already knew that. But now we're going to be facing the Miami Heat. Um, this is kind of the team I didn't want to see. Um, they're when you run into a team who's really hot um, going into, they weren't even really hot going into the playoffs. It was, they got hot in the playoffs and that's, that's really scary. Um, And they have a lot of good players. I mean, who, what are you looking for the Lakers to do in order to win this series? I think what we need to do is we just need to set the tone offensively um, against this Miami Heat team. And also on the defensive side, we need to close out on the three-point range because, you know, when they've got a shooter like Duncan and you got Hero, um, we want to make sure we drive them off the three-point line because either one of those guys can get hot. Um, Drogage is also an underrated three-point shooter, so we need to find a way to make sure we can contain him. The only my only fear is that he's a he's a faster guard. He's he's a veteran. He's been in the league for a long time, but he's fast and he's a really good ball handler and a facilitator. And you know, I would love to see how that matchup is going to go between him and Rondo, some veterans right there. And Ron, playoff Rondo is on a whole nother level. And I think that in these finals, we're going to really see him shine. And I really hope so because we can really use him disruptively when it comes to this offense not getting going. Um, one of the things though, that I do get concerned with is AD is going to basically be going up against Bam. Bam is a lethal player. He can shoot, he can handle, he's essentially, uh, he's an AD, just not fully polished and developed fully. I would say, I would say in a few more years, he could be 
someone that's comparable to AD just because of the size and all that they can do together. Um, so that's one of the things I'm kind of thinking about and hoping that the Raider, or Raiders, <laughs> hoping that the <laughs> Lakers can really just out, out rebound them. Um, you know, I think the, the thing that we have above them, of course, is we have LeBron James. And I know people are going to make the argument, well, Miami Heat have Jimmy Butler. And that's great, but you know I haven't I haven't heard the last time Jimmy Butler's led his team to the NBA Finals ten times. So yeah. LeBron James is just on a whole nother level. He's not only has he been dialed in this entire time in the bubble, but every playoff series that has progressed, he has turned it up even more. So now the finals is on the line. We've got I think a fourteen day window to get seven games in or something like that, and. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't anticipate LeBron James holding back at all. So I think, you know, there'll be a couple of games where we get vintage LeBron where he's dropping 50 points and then other games where he's dropping 20 assists and getting AD 50 points. So I think that the Lakers have a really good matchup defensively. It's just, you know, LeBron and AD holding it down for us offensively and then just getting our role players in. KCP keeping up his hot shooting would be great. Danny Green hopefully finding his shot in the finals would be helpful to – go against these three-point shooters but I'm, I'm confident the Lakers can get this done in six but it will be a grind for sure but uh, you know this this team is not going to be easy but I think the Lakers have it in I don't want to say they have it in hand but I think in six games we can handle the heat um, let me ask you one more question um, as you're probably so happy that I'm going to um, <laughs> um, how do you see the matchups like who do you think is going to cover who uh, Lakers like defensively? So who do you think Anthony Davis is going to be covering on defense and sure. so on and so forth? Uh, so 80 is going, I think if we were going on a one-on-one scenario, cause the Raiders or Raiders <laughs> the second time, the Lakers are very good at doing a lot of switch defenses. So they'll play, uh, they'll play man to man defense. And then as they switch on either, if it's a backdoor cut or, you know, they have someone that's trying to do on the pick and roll. They're really good about switching. But if we're just going on a, on a straight, you know, man-to-man kind of a defense or hat on a hat, I would say that uh, AD is going to match up with Bam. Uh, AD's got the height. Uh, he's obviously got the experience, um, which would really help because AD's got the foot speed to keep up with Bam because Bam's got a pretty good handle and he's a facilitator, but I think AD could cancel that out. And I think LeBron would match up with Jimmy Butler for sure. Like that's the one, that's the, probably the matchup of the series is going to be Butler on, on LeBron James and vice versa. Um, I think KCP is going to be matched up with Duncan because KCP is very, very good about closing out on a shooter. Cause he's got that speed um, and he's got really quick hands to kind of disrupt your handles when you're about to put it on the floor. So I can see KCP, being that person that uh, works on Duncan just because Duncan's not necessarily a, um, a ball handler, but he's a hot shooter. But I think KCP has got really good closeout speed when it comes to defensively. Um, I see Rondo matching up with Drogic. Like I mentioned, um, I really think that that's a pretty good matchup. Drogic has got some really good ball handling skills and he just, he's, he's got a quick shot. So if Rondo can just make sure he keeps up with that, quickness which he can definitely do and he demonstrated that against Jamal Murray a couple of times defensively so I see that as being a great matchup and um, I see Tyler Hero probably getting matched up with Danny Green Danny Green the veteran defender will probably do his best to really disrupt the rookie in his uh, timing with a shot Um, I know that Tyler, Tyler Hero though he's a very good 
just a just a ball player in general. I mean, he can do it all, not just the shooting, but he can put it on the floor. He can go to the rack. He can pretty much do everything. But I think Danny Green, vet, you know, him being a uh, NBA vet will disrupt the rookie enough to where it'll throw him off his game. He'll probably have one or two games where he has good shooting showing, but I think for the most part, Danny Green would be a good matchup for him to really um, to really disrupt him rhythmly. Um, and I think Dwight Howard would be a great start for us in this series. Um, I'm, tr- I'm losing who uh, the fifth player is for the Heat that would start. Um, I think you named them all. You had Hero, Butler, Bam, Dragic, Dragic, and Robinson. Yeah, you got all five. Okay. I feel like I was missing somebody. But anyways, well, so that's, that's how I see the matchups happening. That would be ideal. And I know that's not how it's going to be because – we had Iguodala that we'll probably have LeBron on, um, you know, depending on how the rotations are that uh, that Spolstra come up comes up with. You know, we'll we'll see. And they got Jay Crowder that can be that's probably there defensively, but he can also get a shot up or two. So it'll it'll definitely be it'll definitely be interesting. And I really hope that you know players like um, Kyle Kuzma step up offensively. You know, have a better shooting uh, series than they did during the Denver series because. You know, his shot wasn't really going for him. He was an okay shooter, but, you know, for for as much value that we put into Kuzma to keep him when we traded for AD, I would expect him to really kind of show out and, you know, at least compete with KCP on who's going to be, like, the number three scorer. Because right now it's like KCP is the number three scorer without question, and then it's everybody else after that. And I'd really love to see Kyle Kuzma kind of, fit into that role of somebody where, you know, you can count on him for knockdown shot or, you know, if AD or LeBron are um, neither, if either one of them is on the bench and Kyle Kuzma is with either one of them, that he's also an offensive option, not just somebody that's kind of like a glorified role player, considering that we, we fought to keep him when we traded away essentially everybody else uh, to get AD. So that would be my, my hope for that. Cause I really think it'll probably come down to the bench scoring and, uh, you know, sometimes our bench is there and then sometimes it's not. And that's a concern <laughs> because if, if our bench isn't, you know, hitting shots, then, yeah. it, you know, we rely on AD and LeBron and, you know, they, they can each put up 50 or whatever, but we still need a team to really drive home the victory. So, yeah. Um, who do you have winning and in how many games? I have the Lakers winning in six. So, I what I see is I think it's going to go one to one for a while. I think between game four and five is when we'll see probably uh, the Lakers probably pull out uh, two straight victories to where um, game six is going to be the closeout. Um, and I think the Heat though will put up a really good defensive fight. I see this series being tied majority, but like I said about game four or five is when the, I think the Lakers will actually finally get ahead and then they'll close it out in six and hopefully i'm hopeful for this but my prediction is that the lakers are world champions in six games i actually have the same thing i think uh lakers win in six so we are uh equal in that um i feel like anthony davis is only going to be on bam um for a little while i actually think he's going to be on jay crowder a lot um, I don't, I think Jay Crowder usually starts. So if he does start, I think Anthony Davis is actually going to be on him. And the reason being is Crowder has been hitting a lot of threes 
And so Anthony Davis, with his length and his athletic ability, he can get to Crowder quick. And then obviously on the other end, I actually expect uh, Crowder to be on Anthony Davis uh, rather than Bam. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think what we're going to do is we'll either start JaVale McGee. I think we're going to start Dwight Howard, to be honest. Um, McGee hasn't been fantastic, but he has been getting better. Uh, but Howard has had a, a really good uh, last couple of playoff series. So um, I think Dwight Howard's going to be the starter, and I think he's going to start, and I think he's going to be on BAM. Um, and if if he's not really doing much, I hope as long as he's grabbing rebounds over BAM and, you know, he's still talking his talk, I think that that's all you can really ask for with Dwight Howard. Obviously, he's a rim protector, so he'll he'll help in that department. Um, you know, this one was difficult for me. I think, I think KCP is going to be on Dragic, um, because I think you want, I don't think Rondo's going to start. I think he's going to keep coming off the bench. Um, and like you said, he, he's a good ball handler. So, you know, he can get to the hoop with KCP. He's going to kind of be a little tough on him. He's going to be right up on him the whole time. So, uh, that'll help. I think you're going to put um, Danny Green on. Uh, I think they're going to put him on on uh, Butler. And the reason I say that is they're probably going to save LeBron until they really need LeBron to do stuff. So I think in the beginning of the game, you're going to see LeBron on like a Duncan Robinson or a Tyler Hero, whoever it may be, whoever starts. I think it's Robinson who starts. Um, and, um, you know, Robinson isn't going to overpower LeBron. And also, you don't really have to worry about LeBron, uh, you know, constantly being, um, you know, I don't want to say abused, but kind of beat up uh, on the defensive side. So uh, Robinson, yes, he can shoot threes and he'll probably make them run just a little bit. But like you said, they're probably not going to be man to man. It's going to be a lot more of a zone. So I don't I'm not too worried about that. Um, So I kind of that's kind of the matchups that I see are going to happen. Uh, and then when Rondo comes in, I think you're right. I think he's going to be on Dragic because who else? What are you going to put him on? On Butler, Butler's going to murder him. Um, so you know, um, I think when when there's a, a an important play on defense, I think you're going to see LeBron a lot more on Butler. But I think for the most part, he's not going to be on him. Um, I just feel like they're trying to save LeBron for a little bit. I think once they get into like past game three, no matter what it is, if they're down 0-3, down 1-2, up 2-1, up 3-0, whatever it may be, I think you're going to see LeBron on Butler after that. So, yeah, um, because, you know, they're going to be like, all right, let's go all out. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I think you would see Anthony Davis on Bam, but I think they're trying to save those two for, for the offensive possessions. Um it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting series because this Heat team can hit their threes. Mm-hmm. Crowder is a good three shooter. Uh, Robinson is a really good three shooter. Hero, when he gets hot, he's scary. Um, Butler is not that great of a three shooter, but you have to respect it. You know, Iggy is a good three shooter. Um, you know, uh, Bam can hit a few threes here and there. So, and then uh, even from their bench too, from Kelly Olynyk. You know, he can hit a three. So uh, this is a team that can hit threes. Um, you know, as you said, we need 
to stop the threes. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like I was going insane with the Nuggets team with the Nuggets series because we were letting them get their threes, and it's like, let's stop the threes. If they go inside, I would rather you give up the inside shot right now than the threes because, especially against the Heat, they can hit their threes. I think they're a better three shooting team than the Nuggets were, mm-hmm. definitely. And I think we got lucky with the Rockets because I think they're a better three shooter team than he, than the Heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, we just got fortunate enough that a lot of their games, uh, Harden wasn't feeling it, and and Westbrook definitely wasn't feeling it, and PJ Tucker wasn't you know killing us, and specifically Eric Gordon uh, was not good, so that mm-hmm. that really helped. So um, I think if you're the Lakers, you have to be concerned about the threes, and you have to stop it, just like what you said. You need to stop that and rather them get those inside shots. And again, that's why you have Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis kind of towards, um, you know, the middle of the defense because they can protect the inside. So make them shoot their jump shots. Let them do it. I know Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler reminds me a lot of, of uh, Kawhi Leonard where Jimmy Butler will settle for all these jump shots and he works on those and that's okay. You're going to live with that. You don't want him to power inside. You don't want him to hit his threes. You want him to get comfortable with that jump shot, and that's it. And uh, I, and I'm okay with living with that. And rebounds. We need freaking yeah. rebounds. Anytime we lose, it's because we didn't win our rebound battles. Exactly. Which we're like one of the taller teams, so it blows my mind when we don't do it. But one of the things I do get worried about with this Heat team is Jimmy Butler specifically, is even though Jimmy Butler – like I just kind of mentioned in a, in a in a somewhat of a kind of troll way where I mentioned that Jimmy Butler has never led his team to 10 NBA finals. I will say, though, that each team he goes to, he does make them better. One of the things I do get worried with with Jimmy Butler is that he is such an all-around guy. Here's I see him as a downgrade in terms of scoring to comparing to, like let's say, a Kawhi Leonard, but he's got the defensive intensity as a – Patrick Beverly win called upon and that's a scary combination because yeah you know he can be ferocious on any ball handler that comes his way he's very good about getting into the passing lanes he's very good about disrupting the offense and he's very good about getting his shot getting his other uh, team involved he's essentially in another way to explain it he's a poor version of LeBron James where he can do just about everything he's not going to hit the threes that's not what he does he's not a flashy guy but he does do all the grind. He does do all the grinds and the grunt work, and he works hard and and gets his team to play above their uh, capabilities. And that's one of the things I'm worried about with Butler is he's such a he's such a great competitor on the basketball court that he can, with his will, sometimes determine you know games. And hopefully the hopefully the Lakers can derail that and and tame him a little bit. But he'll definitely be a, a tougher matchup to guard because. Unlike James Harden, where you basically, you know, he's just more of a three-point threat. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler is just this all-around pit bull of a player that you have to now find a way to contain. And, you know, it's going to take a lot of energy, a lot of communication, and hopefully the the Lakers can do it. So, Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I know we went way over our time, and that is 100% on me. Um, I had too many rants and I just need, I needed to get them out. I'm sorry, guys really am. But, uh, you know, Cody, um, you know, I, I, uh, I appreciate you letting me do that. So I, I know you weren't really mad. I'm just, you know, I'm just joshing, 
but um, no, I appreciate you letting me do that. It's just, you know, on Twitter, it's just, it's so funny how everyone's calling for Marcus Mariota and it just drove me nuts. I was like, it's been three games. I mean, he looked great the first two games. He has one bad game and I wouldn't even say it was that bad. I think it was more the team as a whole just had a bad game. I mean, statistically, and, he had a he had a good game statistically. He completed 24 yeah. passes out of 32 attempts, 260 yards. Then he had two touchdowns passing. Again, quarterback rating over 100. So, again, I think what people are calling for is that they're, you know, they're looking for Carr to elevate the team when they come up to competition. But, honestly, I would make the argument right now that it's more likely that Carson Wentz gets benched for that backup uh, coming up soon rather than car getting benched for Mariota in the near future. That would be my argument is I think that's more likely to happen. So Cody, let me, let me tell you this. I should have put in Derek Carr instead of Lamar Jackson in my fantasy team. I would have won. I would have won. If Lamar, Lamar Jackson, for God's sakes, 97 passing yards and a touchdown. You couldn't get three more yards, dude. Come on. I was Are so you neglecting calm, the 80 yards rushing that he gave you, you ungrateful fantasy owner? He didn't give me a touchdown. <laughs> Derek Carr fumbled twice, still got two throwing touchdowns, and uh, 261 passing yards, which was more than Lamar Jackson. I was so frustrated. You know who killed it for me is Alvin Kamara. That guy has been a beast yeah, all me. year. Hey, guys. I just want to say I beat Andrew with Alvin Kamara, who got 85 points by himself. And you, uh, I hated you, too, because I texted you. And I was like, oh, dude, you're going to win. And you're like, well, I, you know, you're up by a lot. And I was like, dude, all of my guys have played. I only have 130 points. And you still have Kamara and Rogers. Rogers and you're like well you don't know I was like dude I hate you you're you're <laughs> trying to give me hope and I don't want hope I just want you to be like yeah I'm gonna whoop up on you and you did you did well I didn't want to say it out loud because then that's when the good lord would have smited me and then we would have then Aaron Rodgers would have only had 10 points and Kamara would have gotten injured with only five that's points true. and you would have won so you know I had to be humbled and, and whoop that ass of yours so you know <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah you don't want to jinx it but dude it's so frustrating i got i got killed I, I know this is completely off topic and we're supposed to end this but i got killed by aaron Rodgers twice one in the one against you and then in another league um they had Rodgers, and who was the other one that they had oh mahomes oh my god yeah yeah, so I let's not talk screwed. about let's not talk about Mahomes right now because in our league together on ESPN, I had a thirty point lead heading into Monday into Monday Night Football with Tyreek Hill still to go, and I lose by eight to your dad because he had Patrick Mahomes who who not only ran for a touchdown but he threw like five more or something like that, so he had like forty something points and he beat me by eight at the at the last day of the of the week, so. And you know what? I will say this too. It wasn't just Lamar Jackson. I had Mark Ingram in that game too, and he did nothing. I am so. I had two guys. He had one. He had one. Oh, one Chiefs, guy, Cody. That Chiefs defense I had though, they held up because they got me, I think, eight points, and it sealed my victory in another Yahoo league I'm in. So, and I was, I started out being down 
by two points, and I lost by three, and I had two players going. What the hell? <laughs> done. I'm done. I'm over this. That's fantasy football in a nutshell, folks. <laughs> Do you remember Matthew Barry's epic rant about uh, Alfred Morris, where he just needed one point and he got him like pulling, oh, yeah, and he, and he just like he like slid at the end or something. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't remember. <laughs> That's what that reminded me. Oh, of. Man. That's how I feel right now, dude. All right, we gotta end this. Thank you guys for joining us. Sorry for the ending, but we had to get it out. You know, um, I didn't I didn't get to Facetime you. It's a lot easier to to rant on Facetime and stuff. So, anyway, thank you guys for so much for joining us. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about, hopefully, uh, the Raiders' victory, and we'll probably get into some Lakers uh, playoff games as well. So, uh, well, we'll see you next week, guys.